home to the highest capital city in the world, La Paz, standing at over 11,000 feet above sea level, the plurinational state of Bolivia is a country that can trace its history to over 5,000 years ago, back to the Tiwanuku Empire. Bolivia is an ethnically diverse country as they have the largest proportion of indigenous people in all of America, with 48% of the Bolivian population identifying as indigenous in 2020. The largest indigenous communities in Bolivia are the Quechua, Aymara, Chiquitano, and Guarani people. My friend Christian and I spoke a lot about the political situation in Bolivia, with the multiple political parties that exist. He adds perspective from more than one place in Bolivia, as his parents come from two different cities, La Paz and Santa Cruz de la Sierra. Christian was very enthusiastic and excited while describing some of his favorite Bolivian dishes and how in Bolivia, one can find corn that is naturally colored purple. We also spoke about how some dishes in Bolivia are supposed to be eaten at specific times during the day and on different occasions, such as Christmas. Something that really stood out in this interview was Christian's opinions on confronting conflict with a peaceful mentality. He believes that in order for youth to be able to help spread awareness and advocate for peace in not just his country but worldwide, youth must make their voices heard in a peaceful manner while being willing to compromise allowing for peace to exist. Honestly, one of the best things that came out of the election conflict 2020, seeing so many people united and fighting for democracy was just like so beautiful to see. And so I think that again, having young people go out and make make their claims known, have them be having them be peaceful, having them want to reach compromise. I think that that is the best thing that that the youth can do now. And that is definitely how they're going to reach more people. And that's the best way to advocate for peace, I, I think, within Bolivia. Hello, everybody. You are listening to Evan Worldwide. On this podcast, I'm going to take you on a journey around the world. You will hear young people's perspectives on culture, conflict, and cuisine. So let's go. I'm Christian, I'm 17 years old, and I'm from Bolivia. Would you say that there's a lot of conflict in Bolivia? Oh yeah, I would say that there is currently a lot of conflict in Bolivia, and there was a lot of conflict in Bolivia, especially in recent years. Um, there has been a lot of conflict in in my country. What are the aspects of conflict in Bolivia? Well, there are many political conflicts in Bolivia, more specifically with former president Evo Morales, who recently resigned. And the conflict is both complicated and at once very simple. But yeah, I would say that there is a lot of political and civil unrest in the country because of corruption that has been going on or that was going on, yeah. How did that corruption like happen? How did it start? It's kind of a long story. The Bolivian constitution was written with the condition that candidates could hold two-term presidencies with four years of length in mind. So kind of like in the States where you can be president for two terms for four years each. Evo Morales was elected in 2006. In 2009, he held a referendum to completely change Bolivia's constitution. This referendum had the support of the people. I'm not sure by how much, but it passed. And so Bolivia adopted a new constitution. I think it was that same year that the president decided to run for office um, since his four years were up. He ran, he won. 
And so by that point, after his second term ended, people were like, okay, thank you so much, Evo, you can leave. But he said, no, no, no. I have served two terms, but one of those terms was in an old Bolivia, some Bolivia with a completely different constitution. So I will serve my second term now. I will run for a second term. He ran, he won, he served a second term. Now, the problem was that he wanted to run for a third term. And when Evo changed the constitution, he made it so that terms were five years long. He was like nine years in office at this point. He ran for his third term. He wins. 14 years in office. In 2017 or 2016, I want to say, he basically held another referendum and the people said, no, you cannot run anymore. Like you have, like, this is unconstitutional at this point. Abel claims that this is a violation of his human rights. It is an, it is impeding upon his human rights. And this goes to Bolivia's high court, the constitutional court, which is pretty honestly like it's pretty full of his close friends and it is a court that was in large part appointed by his party and so obviously he is given the opportunity to run because they rule in his favor then he ran again then into in the 2019 elections which was when he was running for this last term he won but there was a lot of evidence of fraud videos of ballot um, keepers stashing or discarding of votes. And there was obviously a lot of corruption involved, a lot of evidence of these votes being manipulated, stashed, or like completely thrown away. And yeah, and that led to him resigning as president, resigning because he was asked to step down by the people. And that led to the vice president of the Senate, I think it was, stepping up to assume the role as interim president, Jenny Nanyas. That's a story and a half, let me just say. So basically, like, just to recap, there was Evo, he he was the president at the time in 2006, and then, wait, was that when he was elected the first time, or is that when? Yeah, so he was elected for the first time in 2006. Yes, and then, then after his, like, before his first term ended, he changed the constitution? Yeah, so his first term was about to end, he changed the constitution completely, Because, you know, his term would have officially ended in 2010, but you run for president the year before. Right. So in 2009, at some point, he holds a referendum to change the constitution. Later that year, he's running for president again. This new constitution has been adopted. That's kind of, yeah. I guess the question I have is like, but did the majority of people in Bolivia think that he was a a good president, like think that he was a good leader? I would say yes. When Evo first ran for president, uh, for the presidency, Many people saw him as a sort of beacon of hope, especially because he was a prominent, um, sorry, a prominent indigenous political figure, something that is very important to Bolivians in a country where over 40% of the population is indigenous. To have such little representation in the government is definitely a big issue and is definitely something that, you know, needed to happen. And Abel presented himself as not only a good, trustworthy candidate, but as someone that the people could rely on, again, especially these indigenous communities who had very little representation in the government to begin with. And so I would say, yeah, sure. At the start of his campaign, most people did see him as a good person, as someone that could definitely bring Bolivia into this new sort of renaissance or, you know, there would be cultural economic prosperity if he were to win the presidency. So I think that that's how people saw him. Gotcha. Okay. So what political party is he a part of? 
Oh, that's a great question. Yes. So Evo is part of the socialist party in Bolivia, which is called MAS. Um, unlike the United States, Bolivia does not operate on a two-party political system. There are many parties, like many, many political parties. And Evo's is MAS, which is, um, again, this socialist party. So he was kind of running on a, on a socialist campaign. Was that one of the one of the main ones or like one of the most like, I guess, popular, like the most um, followed political party? I could not tell you for a fact. Honestly, I, that I just got to tell you, like, I, I'm not very sure. But I do know that since um, it was, you know, rise to power, he has certainly become the figurehead for this party. No, yeah. So I'm not going to say because I'm not sure. But yeah, he's definitely become an icon that is very it's a, he's almost inseparable from the party at this point. You think of Mas, you think of Evo. So it's almost like his own thing. Yeah. All right. I get that. So who, what's the name of the new political leader of Bolivia? So Janine Añez, who was this vice president of the Senate, she assumed power and she was our interim president. Elections were held after Evo left the country. And Luis Arce, who is of the Mas party, ended up winning. And so with that... They threw Janine Añez, the interim president, into, pre- into prison. She is at a women's facility in Bolivia. So now she's in jail. And Luis Arce, who is from the MAS, had all of these members, these corrupt politicians, come back into the country, including Evo. Um, so basically, nothing has changed because, again, MAS is in power again. That's interesting how they would just immediately after, like, the elections, they would remove uh, Janine Añez and put her into a, a prison and then like just allow for Mas to be the leading political party. Have there been any other leading political parties recently? I mean, like before 2006 even? Well, I'm not very sure, but I do know that. So these Bolivian um, elections where Arce was sworn in as president, well, not sworn in, but he, when he ran for president, there were some other candidates. So Agnes ran for president from interim. She was running to be president, not interim. Oscar Ortiz, who I think is a senator. Uh, he's from Santa Cruz de la Sierra. Carlos Mesa, an ex-president who was running. And uh, Camacho, who is this young man from Santa Cruz who was running. He was not very popular, but he ran. He had many social movements against dictatorship, if you could call it that, against authoritarianism, against basically what he claimed Mas was doing. But the problem was with so many options of people to go against Evo, there was not really a united front to necessarily take down Mas. So one a popular criticism has been that should would these political leaders have united, then they would have been able to get rid of Mas if that was a goal for the country, you know, because for some people, mass is fantastic for others. It isn't for sure. For sure. Everyone, not everybody is going to be happy regarding the political situation of a country. I guess one more question I have, are there like any indigenous leaders that are a part of mass or not really, or is like, yeah, so, Evo, or is Evo the only one? Oh no, no, no. Evo is far from the only one for mass. I think that many people, many indigenous people have aligned themselves with mass and have become massistas because again, he is sort of this icon of this figure. And 
he there are many indigenous leaders in the mass group so no it was far from the only indigenous supporter of socialism no there there are many others i think that's good to hear considering that like a big portion of the bolivian population are and in, is indigenous so it's good to have like representation of part of the Bolivian population. What social issues are most prevalent? Yeah, so I would say that the most, much like in any other country there, obviously there exists racism, homophobia, etc. But I think that the one of the most prevalent social issues is actually femicide, killing women. Um, it's been on the rise for a while. I don't have exact statistics to present to you, but I, I know that a big problem with the femicide in Bolivia is that there's very little consequences. So perpetrators or offenders will often face very little, if any, repercussions for their actions, um, whether that be literally slaying women or like, you know, I mean, that is what femicide is. So like, if there, there are very often very few uh, consequences for them. And it's interesting because there is a sort of um, connection between femicide rates in Bolivia and, you know, you could even look at it at, in a political aspect. B Bolivia, I think almost 50% of our seats in the parliament, yeah, half of the seats in the parliament are women. I think we're second or maybe we're even first, like I think we're second to Rwanda in terms of in, in this rate so yeah there is a lot of female representation within the parliament and within the government but these female politicians are also many times kidnapped or threatened or killed and so yeah femicide is a really big problem that's very unfortunate to hear and like kind of odd how in parliament there would be like half of the parliament would be women would get women typical female citizens would be like at the risk of getting killed just because of their gender you were saying that like racism is also common but coming from the perspective of like so like i've traveled to different parts of latin america part of my family is from costa rica and mexico i guess something that i've noticed is not really racism but colorism would you say that that's the colorism is more of the racism in bolivia or is it like racism from people of other ethnicities this is a really good question that i know little about especially colorism in bolivia i I cannot tell you the truth. And there is an entire debate as to whether racism is even a thing in Bolivia. Many people will argue that it's classism because there exists a really harsh divide between the upper and the lower class in Bolivia. Many times the upper class being the racial minority, which would be white Bolivians and the ethnic majority being indigenous people. While there are many um, that are in the uh, upper class. There are also many that are in the lower. And so many would argue that maybe there is a classism problem, a problem between the classes. So discrimination from white people to indigenous people or vice versa might be a consequence of economic disparities. But others would argue that these economic disparities were caused by systemic problems, problems such as, say, Spaniards that came to Bolivia that left generational wealth to white Bolivians and who now benefit from that. And so you could say, well, yeah, classism is a problem, but that only exists because of the races, uh, because of like Bolivia's long history of racism. Outside of that, I guess these are the, there's, there are, I guess, like mestizos, um, white Bolivians, and then like pure indigenous people. So uh, like mixed uh, indigenous and white, or like, you know, mix of a bunch of stuff. Uh, indigenous people, white Bolivians. There are also Afro-Bolivianos, but where I guess perhaps colorism would maybe apply more. Um, but Afro-Bolivianos represent very, very, very small percentage of Bolivian 
population. Like there are very few black Bolivian people. I guess like the considering like I guess the argument of like considering that it's not racism, it's classism in Bolivia, that that would make that would make sense to an extent because of like that that um that divide between the upper class and the lower class. And I'm sorry, correct me if I'm wrong, but did you say that like the upper class tended to be more of like the like the white Bolivians compared to the lower class, which was the indigenous Bolivians, or was it the opposite? Yes, I don't think it's necessarily that black and white, but most of the time, yes. Like it's it's very common to find a indigenous woman working as a nanny or babysitting like some white family's children or but it you usually don't see it the other way around, which again might be something open to culture or might just be the product again of some systemic thing. So I'm not very sure, but I think that for the most part, yes, it is like that. Although again, there are many indigenous people who do belong to Bolivia's upper class. I guess another thing that I wanted to talk about was like maybe homophobia. Would you say that homophobia has been a big problem in Bolivia? Yes. I I mean, is it a problem if it's not spoken about? You know, that's kind of something that I think is a really big issue in Bolivia. I would say that in younger people, it is becoming much more acceptable to be gay. But again, it's not really something that spoken about um and i think that that is like fairly common for most uh latin american countries i know that you can get civilly wed if you are gay in bolivia i'm pretty sure so that is a pretty good thing but i'm not sure if it's seen the same you certainly can't get married under any church so you were saying that like gay marriage is legal in bolivia or like is it's illegal it's it's legal to like to an ex- to like an extent yeah you i think that you can get married civilly like I think that you can get married in Bolivia if you are gay, but I doubt that if you walk through like La Paz or Santa Cruz or any of these big cities, like, I mean, maybe I, I, I really couldn't tell you, but yes, homophobia is a big problem. It's not talked about enough, but yeah, it, it is a problem. I think it's because it's getting better. I really think that Bolivian culture is kind of don't ask, don't tell. And what parts of Bolivian culture would you say kind of like creates that don't ask, don't tell like situation? So I think that it can be a mix of both, like whole machismo culture. You could attribute that to being the cause, one of the roots of femicide in the country. But you could also maybe consider that to be uh, behind homophobia, I guess. Macho men not trying to, you know, seem gay i think another thing is yes that whole cultural religious aspect i could not tell you what the leading religion in bolivia is but i would assume it is catholicism there are like religious beliefs and ideologies so uh so like pachamama which is like mother earth i don't know but yeah i think that maybe these things also attribute to that but i can only speak for catholicism as someone that doesn't like know much about indigenous um beliefs and i'm sure that there are many but i do know obviously christianity kind of the sanctity of marriage or whatever i guess that that is probably one of the things that would propel homophobia in bolivia yeah that would i mean it's other other people that i've talked to from different countries they've said like oh it's like the religious upbringing of the country is one of the reasons why there is so much homophobia so i guess i mean it does make sense that if it was catholicism then that w- that's what it would be and i also think that i mean it definitely is getting better because i went to potosi which is a city in bolivia and i did see a pride flag there which was a very big shock because again maybe i have this antiquated idea that bolivia is fairly homophobic but it does show that there's progress that is being made in the country which is 
Definitely for the better. Uh, okay. So yeah. Okay. Hold on. So I, I mean, this is very off topic, but were there, so like, was the Incan empire, like, did that like also include parts of Bolivia? Yeah. Okay. So, um, Botosí, was that in the Western part of Bolivia? Like closer Botosí. to, like, closer yes, to it, it would have been because I mean, I, again, I can't tell you, my geography sucks here. Let me look it up. But okay. Because Potosi was a really big, it was kind of like, they made a lot of gold there, like a ton of gold. It was, I, I think it might've been like Southwestern. Uh, so, I'm not sure. Um, at least in terms of like Bolivian geography towards the bottom and I'm not sure, but yeah, there was a lot of gold that was made in Potosi. So it was like one of the richest um, cities in the world back in the day. But of course, you know, colonization took a lot of Bolivian gold back to Spain. But yes, it was a part of it was a part of the Incan Empire. Okay, because there's an interesting thing that I realized when I went to Peru was that so I was in this very, very small town called Ollantaytambo. And I noticed a lot of flags that were similar to the the gay the gay pride flag and i didn't realize this however that was the flag of like i think the 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 tribe that was living there at the time or like the like the flag of like the the county maybe Mm -hmm. but yeah yeah but the thing is i wasn't sure like you know since peru was a part of the incan empire and like i'm so parts of bolivia i wasn't sure of like that region like that was the reason why they had the pride flag was because it was connected to the incan empire or like the Commu- or like the communities or i guess former regions of the incan empire yeah so bolivia actually has three official flags i think it has two for sure i don't know if the third one is still being used but so the one that you've most likely seen is the classic red yellow and green flag but we also have the Wipala, which is kind of a square and it is a flag for indigenous communities and it also i mean when i first saw it when i was like six or five i don't know how old the flag is now i was like oh that kind of looks like the gay flag but it doesn't it's like these little pixels and they represent indigenous designs so it's that's kind of what it is a nod to maybe that even has some connection to what you were talking about i'm looking up i have a picture of it right now it's it's pretty cool actually like just like the checkered and then the white stripe in the middle like yeah okay so my next question is would you say that there's a shift in perspective in young people or do the young people of bolivia still think these like conflicts and social issues are valid oh no there's definitely a shift like i was saying i think that young people are becoming more progressive in terms of insuff for some things gay rights i think that it's definitely better than it was before like i can totally tell you that from my grandma to my mom to to me um and to my friends and the people that i know in bolivia they seem to be much more accepting than say a generation ago even like when my mom was in high school or when my grandma was growing up so i can definitely see things getting better although in some cities like where my mother is from santa cruz de la sierra which is fairly big i don't think that it would be very hard to be gay and like be an adult but i think that young people are um becoming more progressive in terms of social issues in terms of conflicts i could also, I say the exact same, like, so when this whole Evo thing was going on, Camacho, who I mentioned, he had like 21 days of protests and 
many young people, people that I know that are my age would go to these rallies and they would protest and they would raise their voices and they would speak out against the corruption. Not everyone, but a lot of people did. And so I think that the youth is definitely fed up and changing. I think that's awesome to hear how like, you know, the younger generation is becoming more like open-minded to different, to different like walks of life and different perspectives. And Uh, different identities. I think that's wonderful. And um, yeah, I think that's great. Do you keep up with politics and government in your country? Yes, I try to. Uh, So usually a lot of the stuff that I get comes from like my grandma, honestly, just like, like forwarding me like many messages at once. So it can be a lot and very overwhelming and often very misinformed. But when she sends me some headlines, some update, I'll double check it with um, El Deber, which is a... Bolivian newspaper and usually I get a lot of my information from there. I usually get the main juicy stuff that everyone complains about. X person was thrown into prison or Y person has been like, I don't know, laundering money, you know, so that's about the extent of, to which that I keep up with politics. But yeah, I, I try to. You were saying like this, where where you get your information is from like El Deber, is it? El Deber, yes. El Deber. Um, so that was, that's a newspaper? Is that a channel on TV? It's a newspaper. It's a newspaper. Okay, okay. So that's the main place you get it from or? Yeah, yeah, exactly. I usually get it from there, which can be dubious. So if if I don't find anything through a Lebed or if I really am feeling like double checking, I might try to find some more impartial international news station, BBC, NPR sometimes has some stuff, but usually it's just and I am fairly ignorant in that I do not know of many other uh, Bolivian newspapers, at least not to the height of that one. So, or to the ones that I was exposed to growing up. So that's usually the one that, yeah, I'll, I'll read. Have you ever noticed any type of censorship when you're looking at this news in, in politics? I wouldn't notice censorship while reading because it would be censored. But yes, I know that the government definitely does hide information um, and that there there is definitely censorship. So I'm pretty sure there was, Evo gave some speech of some sort and somebody screamed something against mass, something against Evo, and he went to prison, plain and simple. Of course, many publications, including I'm sure El Deber and like a bunch of these other news journal, news agencies, whatever, are have certain restrictions from the government about what they can and what they cannot post. So yeah, there's definitely censorship. Yeah, I, I feel like that would, I feel like that's with every country. Although I don't know if, I feel like I find it very rare for there to be a country where like there's no censorship at all. Um, Because I feel like every, every government hides something. Like it might not be as major as other countries, but it's at least something. Do you have a lot of friends from different countries or have you met a lot of people from different countries? Yeah, so I've kind of, been hopping around from international school to international school since i was about like five totally from these people that you met have they mostly been from other parts of like south america or they've been like in europe or like all over the world honestly pretty spread out i guess it depends where where you are so like obviously in brazil i mean a lot of kids from paraguay from brazil argentina uruguay but when i was you know, elsewhere, like I've met kids from Lithuania, countries that I've like, at the time I had never heard of. Oh my God, that's so cool. And likewise, when I tell people, oh yeah, I'm from Bolivia, they're like, oh cool. It's like, is that in Africa? You know, it's pretty, it's pretty interesting. Yeah. So 
that I, I couldn't say that they're from one specific region. Yeah, that w- I mean, that would make sense if you like living in different parts of the world, for sure. And when you've met these people, did you notice more similarities or differences? Culture wise, I guess, I, I guess it depends. Like, I don't know that a country can define certain like, I don't know that that being from somewhere can necessarily define what you enjoy. But I think that it does say a lot about your culture. So living in Brazil, definitely being able to connect with Latina culture is fantastic because that is how my parents are. And that is like how I've been raised. Um, So I guess if I were living in Europe, I would maybe struggle to connect with that a little more. Past that, I don't know. I think like I have definitely made friends with kids from countries that could not be more different than Bolivia. But I guess in terms of, of open-mindedness or yeah sure i guess yeah for the most part they've been more similar to me than different i couldn't say that like as a generalization in bolivia do you see young people advocating for peace and less conflict yeah i totally yeah that's that's kind of what i was saying about people going to these protests yeah i definitely do see people advocating for peace and less conflict young people what issues are they are the young bolivian people protesting for like is it for climate change is it for human rights yeah it's usually government stuff and i mean changes change i totally see people young people being that that might be from mass might be from other parties arguing on different fronts for a supposed same goal so whether that is someone that is very against mass fighting for peace and going against the government or vice versa someone that supports mass that is also fighting for peace you see that a lot and many times it results in more violence than peace but i would say that in general people are trying to find to to, they're seeking less conflict things are becoming more pacifistic every day oh totally yeah and like you see people like protesting out protesting out in public for their causes and like people are very passionate for like different issues yeah for sure how can young people help spread awareness to advocate for peace in bolivia just being more vocal just speaking up starting conversations peaceful protesting i think that that is honestly one of the best things that came out of the election conflict 2020 seeing so many people united and fighting for democracy was just like so beautiful to see and so i think that again having young people go out and make make their claims known have them be having them be peaceful having them want to reach compromise i think that that is the best thing that that the youth can do now and that is definitely how they're going to reach more people and that's the best way to advocate for peace i I think within bolivia so you would say like peaceful protesting and starting conversations with others and like having those conversations that are not as easy you know to like discuss different different ways and like different backgrounds yeah so I guess starting conversations is much more in direct relation to that kind of idea of social issues. So be that homophobia, racism, classism, starting those difficult conversations, but more directly with social conflict. I Again, I think that if there is going to be a protest, it should be a peaceful one. Those have been working. So I think that adopting a pacifistic mantra or like approaching things with peace and reasoning um, is the way to go about change, not only in Bolivia, but I guess everywhere. So I think that that is the best.
best thing that young people could do to to enact change in in my country. Okay, so now we're gonna be I'm gonna be asking you some questions about food and culture, something a little more lighthearted, you know, um, not like politics. I mean, politics are interesting, but you know, what are some of the most popular dishes in Bolivia? Or like, is there a national dish? That's a great question. I think if there were a national dish, it would probably be salteñas. They are very delicious. They have dough that has been oven baked, and inside they have they're kind of wrapped like a little dome and inside they usually have meat sometimes they'll have olives a little stew inside of there that you bite into and you kind of have to suck it up so that you don't drop much on your plate it's very good i think that that would probably be a national dish and not so much a national dish i think that there are more regional dishes in bolivia so depending on what part of the country you're in i think you'll you'll taste different foods oh nice and the salteñas they sound like empanadas to me would you um, say that they're similar not really i mean we have empanadas as well but salteñas are very savory like you i guess you they are sort of like empanadas but they're not they're not empanadas uh no yeah so i guess it's different there i i think empanadas can come in a in a variety at least the ones that i eat in bolivia they can be they can have cheese inside of them or they can have other stuff and it's like it's like salteñas as well in that sense but salteñas are usually for the most part i would say they're harder on the outside and shoot i'm not a baking expert so i could not tell you the main difference but <laughs> all that i will say is that yeah sardinas and empanadas are not the same um, they're not the same gotcha they're not the same i'm just looking at pictures right now they look freaking delicious i actually remember having them i don't know where they i don't know they just look like empanadas to me so maybe i i guess i guess maybe they do um i i love sardinas like i love eating them I, lo i love them so much they're really good awesome and what are some other popular dishes I mean, you were saying that like they're more regional dishes, but I guess the regions of Bolivia that your family's from, then what are some other popular dishes from there? Well, actually, I just I had one today for lunch. It's called pique macho and it is really good. It's like meat and some like broth stew thing with sausage and onions and peppers. And then there's like mayonnaise on top. And then uh, uh, there you put that on top of French fries. Really, really good. Picana is a type of soup that I eat a lot around Christmas time. If you're ever in La Paz, or El Alto, Marraqueta, although it is not a dish, it is like probably the best bread I ever. I love it so much. Love it so much. And yeah, there are like some other things that aren't necessarily dishes, but that are like little food stuff. Cuñapés. Cuñapés are really, really good. They're kind of like, I guess, to use Brazil as an example, queijo, but bigger and harder and better <laughs> no yeah i think that they're really good they're fantastic and they're not a dish necessarily but like you eat those and they're really good they're like um a merienda uh, i mean a snack yeah yeah exactly like a merienda, gotcha. exactly. you were talking about like the picana soup what is that made out of yeah i know that picana has meat in it ha it usually has pear also which is interesting because it's like a very savory soup personally i don't like it with the pear in it but yeah it has corn which is a staple like bolivia has this like really these really big pieces of corn that are like oh like um, choclo yeah choclo exactly it's choclo but like these are pieces of corn that i think you can literally only find them in bolivia they're huge and they're purple i'm pretty sure that they're purple if not they're just like they're just insane the corn in bolivia is super good so they'll usually have corn meat and this like broth stew thing it's fantastic some potatoes you can't go wrong i love picana yeah, yeah the pear Sometimes I, I don't, that's hmm, not, not for me. <laughs>
<laughs> is it and is it they're just are they just sliced up or are they like in a in a puree or it's like a full-on pear like it's just like a full-on pear in your thing it's like a small pear that's in your soup it's so weird but also so good i guess i mean for me it's not my thing but it, it can be good it can be good okay okay it's always good without the pear but sometimes it's good with the pear i mean it's a personal thing you can like it with the pear you can like it without and i don't even know like that's that might be like a family thing that my grandma throws in the pear i mean i think you should try it with the pear if you ever go visit if they don't offer it at a restaurant or something just be like no put the bed in like i need to try it um, yeah, to get yeah. That but yeah and like do you ever do you just eat it by itself or would you have that with the cuñapes or like i mean i usually have it for christmas dinner so we'll have it'll just be that like that is the main course what you have with cuñapes is more like tea so if you're when it's tea time which is like obviously huge thing in Bolivia. You have your cuñapes and some tea and it's fantastic. Or maybe you'll have some empanadas as well. You eat these all at very specific times. Like salteñas, you cannot eat those past 12 p.m. It's like a crime. Like don't do it past noon. Cuñapes, you maybe will have them in late in late afternoon, the evening with again, your, your little cake. And then piquemacho, you can have like for lunch or dinner, usually for lunch. And then, sal and then picana, I usually have it for dinner. I don't know. I've never had it for lunch, but you probably could. Gotcha. Okay. So the, so salteñas are only for breakfast. Yeah. Or like a late breakfast or like in the, at noon. I don't think mo many people eat them past noon. Okay. Now what is your favorite Bolivian dish? Again, it's not really a dish, but probably salteñas. I love salteña. And if it weren't, maybe chido, which is another soup that's really good. That has some meat and potatoes. I mean, it, they all sound the exact same, but I promise you it's not. You have a lot of, you eat a lot of these things with ahi we bolivia is a very spice friendly spice loving country every not everything that you're gonna eat but like a lot of the food that you eat you're gonna have an option to get it spicy i love spicy food probably because i am bolivian although not all bolivians like spicy food i don't know but yeah so yahua is this sort of salsa you put in basically any soup if you want it to be spicy like and that's something that i find if i ever feel like my food likes flavor i just put in some yahua and problem solved i don't know what's in it it's like a red mush but it's fantastic i think it has some tomatoes and something spicy I, i'm not sure but it's really good it looks like a pico de gallo but like crushed if that yeah. if that makes any sense yeah fair it could be totally see that not okay. a dish more of like a for sure for sure but you can add it to dishes and then it'll taste better or like yeah. taste spicier do you have like a special dish that gives you good memories probably picana honestly again it's not my favorite dish, but definitely brings me a lot of good memories of Christmas time. And again, that might not, that might be less cultural and more my family thing, but, um, it's fantastic. I love Picana. It's like, and like, it reminds you of Christmas time. And like, I mean, I guess living abroad, how different is Christmas time in Bolivia compared to other parts of the world that you've lived in? It's way different. I mean, usually when I'm living outside of Bolivia, Christmas is really sad. If I don't go back to visit, like it's just me and my immediate family doing nothing. Like, I mean, a Brazilian Christmas is very, I mean, at least from what I've seen in Brazil, it's probably somewhat similar to living in Bolivia. Like Bolivian Christmas is all about family. I think that that's what Christmas is. So when it's just me and my immediate family,
family, we try to recreate the same thing, but not being with my grandparents, my cousins, you know, it's not the same. I couldn't tell you how different it is from other parts of the country, but I can say that I definitely like spending it when I'm in Bolivia, like with my family members and then being by myself outside. I guess that's why I associate Christmas in Bolivia so positively. Because it like reminds you of your family. Yeah, exactly. I guess that relates to like a topic how Bolivian culture is so family oriented. Yeah, not even totally. Not even just Bolivia, it's just like all of Latin America, I would say. And I think that that is like a big part of like the, the importance of food in Bolivian culture because it is very family oriented. And so food is a means to get people together. If everyone's eating from the same thing, everyone's sharing. It is a it is a way to get people to come together, to spend time together, to be with one another. I think that they totally are very connected. Absolutely. You were kind of talking about this with like the the picana and the pear. But I'll ask this question anyway. Does your family make any dishes differently than other Bolivian families? Yeah, so picana, I don't, again, I couldn't, I don't know if it's a staple to have the pear in it. I know that my family has the pear, so I'm gonna say that that is one way that we make it different. Oh my God, another dish that is super good, majao or majadito as sometimes we call it. So good. And it is rice with charque and with charque, I'm not, I don't know what that is in English. And it's usually topped off with like an, a fried egg. Really good. We don't get charque here in Brazil. So we have it with like minced meat, which is no nowhere near as good. But that is another way that we adapt. So what exactly is the charque? Like is it charque, just, I just think dry? It's like, it's like yeah, meat? it's like it's like dried. I want to say pork. Wait, I could actually probably ask my dad. Esquepa? Sun-dried meat. Sun meat. So yeah, I guess. Sure. It's like beef jerky, exactly, exactly. See, what you said. So good though. That is maybe my favorite dish, and it's this yellow rice. Obviously, I've heard many good things about Bolivian culture and Bolivian food now, thanks to you. Kind of want to go there now. <laughs> but what is a dish from Bolivia that when I traveled there, like I can't miss? Oh, honestly, all of the ones that I mentioned to you, you can't miss any of those. If you haven't tried them, you haven't been to Bolivia. There's no one dish you can't. I I guess salteñas, yeah. Because let's say that they're more universal. So if you go to Bolivia and you don't at least have one salteña while you're there, you're really missing out because they are probably the most accessible of all of these dishes. Again, because they it can be regional. The, where you're getting your food from if you have a chance big mancho i think you should definitely also get that but yeah you have to at least have one salteña while you're there oh for sure and like what filling in the salteña i usually get like the meat ones not chicken um beef uh, yeah the beef one exactly <laughs> and, and usually spice some of those some of those like salteñerias they make them really spicy so you got to be careful but yeah i guess i handle spice in the u.s pretty well and then like like when i was in panama over like last year i was fine with the spice and like in like other parts of mexico and france like in different countries but i don't know about bolivia maybe i can handle the spice i'm not sure only but one way to find out is to go yeah exactly is to go only one way to find out is to go. <laughs> what does food mean for bolivian culture it's exactly what i was talking about about how like it is a an indirect way to get people to come together and so i think that bolivian culture is all about that all about unity people coming together to eat to be you know together family that's what i think that uh food means to my country at least in a cultural aspect i mean obviously
obviously there's sustenance. People coming together, enjoying the fruits of someone's labor, someone who probably made the food. You know, I think that that's what what it really means. Yeah, absolutely. And it's like just appreciating like just the food and where it came from and how it's prepared and like the time that it was the time that was put into making the dish. What dish gives you like a sense of home? It depends. When I go to visit Santa Cruz de la Sierra or Santa Cruz, which is where my mom is from, Mahao really reminds me of home because it's usually one of like the first things that I eat when I get there. When I eat it, I think of, of Santa Cruz, but when I eat like picana or chairo, I think La Paz, which is where my dad is from. Yeah, totally. And like that kind of goes back to when you were talking about like how in Bolivia, like the different regions, each region has like different dishes that are like special to that part of yeah. the country. Okay, so I've never gotten like a good answer on this question. What are the two capitals in Bolivia? I mean, I know what they are, but like, why is like La Paz one capital and then Sucre like the other capital? Sucre and La Paz are these two capitals. Sucre is the people's capital and La Paz is the federal capital, I'm pretty sure. Like that is the official one. And then Sucre is more like a people's capital. I'm not... I, Literally, I also struggle with this question so much. Why are there two capitals? <laughs> like, who made that rule? But for the most part, that's what I've heard. Sugre is the people's capital, and then La Paz is the capital capital, but they are both recognized. Although I would say that La Paz is probably referred to more two capitals. Let's say I was going to go to Bolivia. Where would you recommend me to go? I would recommend that you go to El Lago Titicaca, which if you've been to Peru, you might have already been to. But... I haven't been. No, I haven't been there, but like I know it borders Bolivia. Like, yeah. So I would definitely recommend that you go to Lago Titicaca. It is beautiful. You will likely get to go to Isla del Sol. Copacabana is also beautiful. And you can all do that. And through some tour, you go to Lago Titicaca. Of course, Salardo Uni is probably like the cop-out answer. It's honestly breathtaking. I recommend you go like January is the rainy season. So if you want to see those, those like pictures where people are like standing and it like reflects them in the ground. Misiones Jesuitas in La Chiquitania is another place to go to that I haven't personally been to but i hear is really nice chiquitania okay is that in like yeah. um what part of bolivia is that it's in the east of bolivia i think i mean like honestly just every pictures i've seen of like salar de Oyuni and, and lago titicaca okay by the way not everyone speaks spanish so like i guess lake titicaca i don't know lake titicaca yes yeah 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 and then the uh, sun island i don't know Isla del Sol. Yeah. definitely i've seen so many beautiful pictures of bolivia Mostly of Salad de Uyuni. But anyways, yeah. I would definitely love to go to Bolivia one day. I think it'd be incredible. I want you to imagine that you meet someone who has never heard of Bolivia before. So this means that they have a very neutral perspective because they don't know anything good or bad about the country. And okay. you can tell them one thing about Bolivia. What would you tell them? Bolivia is, is both very culturally and geographically rich. Honestly, probably one of the most culturally and geographically rich places I could tell you about. And of course, I am biased. But but genuinely breathtaking. The random cities where you see the most beautiful sunsets from, the the tourist, the touristic capitals of Bolivia, even like it's just also beautiful, whether it be Salado Uni, Israel Sol, or a small town in the middle of Pando, you know, these like in like there some random place. It's insane. And Bolivia has a little bit of everything. So I really think that it is a country that you can find uh, something that you like. And I again, I think it has something for everyone. For sure. And definitely a reason for people to check it out. Well, Christian, 
that's the end of the interview. Thank you so much for doing this with me. I had so much fun learning more about like Bolivia and the food and the conflict and culture and everything. Muchísimas gracias por su atención y por su tiempo. Really appreciate it. And yeah, I was so happy to learn about it. Thank you for listening to my Global Youth's Perspective podcast. My goal is to share insight into the lives and cultures of my friends around the world, and hopefully we can listen to each other, bridge our differences, and make this world a better place.